We're going to turn to God's Word once again, this time uh, reading the second kind of part of chapter 21 of John's Gospel. We spent last week looking at the first kind of 14 verses, um, and we're thinking about the picture of grace that we see with in them. And this morning we're going to read verses 15 uh, down to verse 25, and we're going to look at this encounter that Peter has with Jesus, the risen Lord, and how it changes him. And how we see again a picture of grace within this chapter. So let's read chapter 21 of John's Gospel, uh, verse 15 down to verse 25. And that's on page 907 of the Pew Bibles. Uh, or you'll find it on the screens before you. But I would encourage you um, to use the Pew Bibles before you. Um, it's great having screens, but there's nothing like being able to hold God's Word in our hands and being able to know what it feels like to journey through it and turn through the pages. So please do, if you feel, feel comfortable, use the Pew Bibles in front of you as well, even just to keep um, yourself being able to go over it as we journey through this chapter this morning. Something else, just as a wee aside, that I found really helpful. Um, I know many of us have done Alpha, and we've got lots of questions and stuff. But something that I found really helpful in my in my walk, and I, I still do it to this day when I'm not preaching, is that I often take notes as someone's speaking. I find that a really helpful thing, just even to help me keep concentrated. But it helps me to be able to go back over later on, and what was that? thing that person said and be able to read over it, or even to ask to write down questions of things that we didn't really understand or we didn't get, that we can ask an older Christian or someone more mature in their faith. And that's a really good way of being able to um, deepen our faith as well. So I give you those um, bits of advice and you can do with them what you want. Um, but um, I know that many of us um, do um, help find helping uh, take notes helpful in our in our Christian walk so we can read over and continue to glean um, from God's Word. But let's read from God's Word this morning from John's Gospel, chapter 21. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper, and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to, him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is it to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that the disciple was not going to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he will remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that this testimony is true. Now there are many, also many other things that Jesus did, were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. 
Amen. May God bless us reading of His Holy Word this morning. Last Sunday, we looked at the invitation that Jesus gave to come and enjoy breakfast with Him, and we thought about how we see this as a picture of grace, that actually within it that we see this invitation that Jesus gives to come and enjoy breakfast with Him. What a breakfast that would have been, to be able to sit and have breakfast with Jesus. And we saw the grace within it, even the, the come and enjoy breakfast, come and join me in the provision of the breakfast. The, the provision of the, the hall of fish that also um, helped um, the, the feeding within the breakfast as well, that it was all part of God's grace that He was bestowing upon His disciples. But in all that we saw last week, and as we'll see this week, um, what we see is that God has been orchestrating this event so that Peter could encounter Him to receive the grace of Christ afresh. To bring him back to that moment, that feeling, that place, that realization and remembrance where Peter proclaimed that, Jesus, you are the Lord. We saw that from Luke 5. We saw in Luke 5 last week them fishing on the same body of water. They toiled all night as well and caught nothing. And Jesus said, you know, put your nets out to the other side. And they have this miraculous catch of fish. And we saw that this uh, in John 21 as well. And it was as if Jesus was trying to rem remind them of who he was. Bringing Peter back to this moment of realization of who Jesus was. And from this, what we saw was that it was the disciple whom Jesus loved, who, who we believe is John, and, and we'll get to that in a couple of weeks' time probably. We, what we saw was that it is John who realizes, he has this revelation that that's no stranger on the beach, that's, that's Christ, that's Jesus. And he, he tells Peter, and Peter jumps in the water, and um, as, as Peter often did, you know, two foot in, off he goes, and he, he, he thrashes the water, and he gets to the shore, and he receives his invitation to come and have breakfast with Jesus. That brings us to verse 15, where they've just finished breakfast. And I, I love that as well, that, you know, Jesus didn't go over this stuff while they were enjoying breakfast. But even in that, we see the grace of Christ. Have your breakfast, and then we're going to go through something that might be a wee bit painful for you, Peter. Enjoy your breakfast. And after breakfast finishes, this dialogue that Jesus has with Peter begins. But I want us to notice something as well. Do you notice when Jesus, see the quotation marks there? We have in John's gospel, the writer puts, Jesus said to Simon Peter, but when Jesus speaks to Peter, it is by the name of Simon that he addresses him. Now, so what? what is that? What's that got to do with anything? I want us to note that because it points to the place where Peter was in his life. Peter's name was changed by Jesus. He was known as Simon. And Jesus changed his name to Peter. Uh, and Peter uh, um, meant rock. But Simon means something like shaky. And often when Jesus was speaking to Peter, he addressed him as Peter. But here it's by the name of Simon that he calls him. And it's pointing to something of the place where Simon Peter, or Peter, where he was in his life, where he was in that moment, that he wasn't that rock anymore, but actually, he's a wee bit shaky, 
He'd gone through a real hard trial and hard period in his life. And Jesus asks him, Simon, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? I said last week that Peter is so involved in the, the ministry of Jesus. And we see him, you know, front and foremost most of the time. He's the one that, that kind of reacts to things. And we thought about how some of us are like a bit more contemplative like John. And, uh, and there's other of us like um, Peter who kind of run into everything like, uh, you know, head on. It's Peter who, you know, takes out the sword and cuts off the person's ear when the rest of Jesus is happening. That's who Peter was. But then we said that he kind of disappears a wee bit after the denial. He's not at the cross. Surely Peter would have been at the cross, but he's not. How can he look upon the one who's now suffering to death, the one that he's, he's just denied three times? And this broken man, he, he couldn't. He couldn't go to the foot of the cross. But what I love, and again we see the grace of Christ, is that Jesus comes to him. Jesus meets him where he is. He was shaky. Maybe he felt like his world was falling apart, and Jesus steps in and looks to intervene. Do you love me more than these? And Jesus, in his first question, touches something of Peter's heart. This question, do you love me more than these, kind of means, do you love me more than these disciples love me? Now, before the denial, Peter had gone, oh, absolutely. That's who Peter was. Of course, I love you the, both, the, best, the, the, the best, Jesus. I love you more than anyone else, Jesus. I love you too. I'll, I'll even lay down my life for you, Jesus. That's what Peter said. Do you love me more than these other disciples do, Peter? Can you imagine Jesus asking this question in that moment? He's denied him three times. He's feeling a bit shaky. And Jesus asks that question, do you love me more than these? And look at Peter's response. <clears throat> he doesn't point to anything or anyone but he simply tries to hold on to the knowledge of Christ. It might not look like I love you, Jesus. It might not sound like I love you, Jesus. But you know everything. You know that I love you. Friends, there are times where you will fly in your Christian walk and things are going amazing, and they're great, and you're living on the mountaintop. But there are times that will come where you feel shaky, and you feel like your world is falling apart. And see if we base our love for God on the emotions that we feel when we're good, or the experiences we have. See when the hard times come, we have nothing to hold on to. What is it Peter holds on to here? He holds on to the knowledge of Christ. You know that I love you, Jesus. You know. To which Jesus says, feed my lambs. Christ wants to see Peter's love for him 
through how he cares for God's people. There's often we read in the Gospels that Jesus says, you know, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. We can all shout and bawl and lift our hands and, you know, say things, but actually sometimes words can be a little bit cheap. It's in our actions that, we, that God sees, you know, it's by those who love me, Jesus says, they'll, they'll, they'll obey, they'll keep my commandments. Feed my lambs. And I think Peter, Jesus is showing Peter and us something of what true leadership looks like. Because Peter would go on and would be instrumental in, in being a leader within the, the body of Christ and in the church. And, and often we think that, you know, that the best leaders or the, the good leaders are the ones that are, are most charismatic. They shout the loudest. You know, they're, the, they're the busiest on Twitter. You know, whatever it is. You know, they're, they're, they're all over the place. They're, you know, they look like they, they've got everything together. They're, they're great speakers. They're good at this and they're good at that. That's not what Jesus says here, though. Tend my lambs, care for my people. And I think that each one of us, even, even when we see in parliament and we see people in leadership, that, that, that's the thing that's missing most, I think, isn't it? A genuine care for people. That's what we want to see in those who are leading us, don't we? We want to see that they care for folk. And it's the same in the church. We want to see a genuine care for God's people from those who are in leadership. This is what true leadership looks like. It is tending the flock of God in a way that is caring and loving, feeding them. But Jesus goes again, Simon, do you love me? A second time he asks the same question. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And again, Peter is holding on to the knowledge of Jesus. God, you know all things. And Jesus responds and reiterates the same kind of um, principle and kind of meaning in his response. Tend my sheep. And I love the grace of Christ in this. <clears throat> I think sometimes we, when God begins to do a work in our lives and it gets a little bit uncomfortable, that's the moment that we step away. But actually, in that moment, that is where God is extending his grace to us. Because he's touching something in our lives that he wants to correct, he wants to restore, and he wants to fix. If there's times where we sit in God's presence and we feel a little bit uncomfortable or we're, we're feeling challenged, don't step away from what God's word is saying. Press in. Press into Christ. Because this is what we see happen here. How many of us can identify with what is taking place in here? A second time Jesus asks exactly the same question. You know, I think a lot of us, you know, we, we expect that the, the, the work that God is going to do in our lives, it's going to happen in the blink of an eye. And I'm sorry to tell you that that, that can happen and it does happen. But in my experience, those are very rare occasions. They're real and they're amazing. And I wish that happened to me. But the way that God works in my life is often how he's engaging with Peter here. It is a slow, it is a painful, it is a hard, gradual process. And he works in something in your life, and it's as if he's chiseling away at your stony heart. He's correcting things in your life that, that, that shouldn't be there. 
And in doing so, he's not doing it to make you feel bad. He's doing it because he loves you and he's gracious. Isn't that what's happening here with Peter? There's the gradual chipping away. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And what Jesus is doing here is he's taking all the barriers, he's taking the masks off Peter, he's taking the walls that he's built up around him, he's dealing with the shame and the guilt. That's what happens when we spend time in God's presence. It's as if he's, he's continually washing us and sanctifying us to get us prepared. And maybe that's how you feel right now. Maybe you feel like, you know, um, in, at Christmas time and at birthday parties where we play that game, Pass the Partial. I think that's what's happening here. It's as if Peter's getting passed around and every time he comes back, Jesus takes one more layer off him. And I think that's how many of us maybe feel. That even as you're spending time in God's presence, that there's things of this world that don't belong and shouldn't be and that we shouldn't be doing. And slowly in God's grace and by his mercy, he's taken that extra layer off us to prepare us and to, to ready the ground in our hearts. Maybe it feels like since you've been coming to church or maybe even in the last number of months, that the things that you thought you depended upon in life, the people that you thought you could depend on in life, that actually it feels like they're crumbling around you. Maybe you feel like there is so much in your life that has changed and, and actually you don't know whether you're coming or whether you're going. Can I put it to you that maybe God is removing those things? Because actually it's like that past the partial. He's taking layer off after layer off after layer off. Why? Because he's gracious. And actually those things that you thought were important in your life and that you thought you needed in your life, God's saying, actually, I've got better. Actually, I've got more. Actually, those things aren't for you. And a third time, Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Why does he ask him three times? Let's turn back to Luke's gospel, chapter 22. We read the verses last week, but let's read them again just to keep them fresh in our minds. <clears throat> Luke 22, verse 54, down to verse 62. And they seized Jesus and laid him away, <clears throat> bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But Peter denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little while later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter 
And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Why was it that Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Because Peter denied Jesus three times. The grace of Christ is so amazing. That actually he doesn't restore us to a half measure or a nearly there measure. But actually his restoration is 100%. It is fully complete. And we lack nothing. Because I know how the devil works. And I know that if this was me and Jesus had only asked me twice, I know in my mind and in my heart, I would have gone, but there's a third time I did it. And I've only done this. And it's not about what we do. Absolutely not. But Christ in his grace, he reaches out to restore Peter 100%. And they're now facing each other over the real issue. Because we've, I, know, I was going to say we've all been in trouble. I don't know if you've ever been in trouble. I know I've been in trouble a lot in school. And the teacher asks you to stay behind and you think, oh, they don't really know what's happened. But then as the conversation goes, you go, oh no, <laughs> they do know what's happened. They know what I've done. And they're going to deal with it just now. And I can imagine Peter was feeling something like that in this moment. Oh, Jesus, please don't bring it up. It's broken my heart that I've denied you. Not once, not twice, but three times. Please don't bring it up. And maybe the, when Jesus asked the first time, that would be me, I thought, okay, he doesn't know to the extent of the wrong I've done. But Jesus knew. And Jesus knew. And not just did he know, he wanted to deal with it. And we read here that actually in verse 17 that it grieved Peter. It grieved him. It pained him to have to face the fact, to face the face that he denied. C.H. Spurgeon tells the story of a poor bedridden woman who was struggling in her faith. And she said, Sir, I do not think I have any faith or any love for Christ whatsoever. But he knew better. For he knew that her life had been, and so, walking up to the widow, he wrote on a piece of paper, I do not love Jesus Christ. And he brought it back with a pencil and said, Now, Sarah, sign this. When she read it, she said, Oh, sir, I would be torn to pieces before I would sign that. Oh, but you had just said it just now. Ah, sir, but I could not put my hand to it. Then I suspect, Sarah, he said, that you do love him. Well, sir, whether I do or not, I will never give him up. Friends, in this moment and in the moments leading up to it, it hadn't looked like Peter loved Christ. He had denied him. He'd gone back to fishing. He'd turned his back. But God knew his heart. And God knows your heart this morning and he sees exactly what is going on and by his grace he wants to meet you 
Can't you hear Peter's heart break as he answers for a third time? As he grieved, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. It maybe didn't look like Peter had loved him through his actions and through his words, but in his heart he did. He loved him. God, you know my heart. You know I regret denying you. You know that I wished I'd never done it. You know that I wish I could have stood at the foot of the cross and I'd been there for you. You know that I wish that I could still have the boldness of faith that I had before that I denied you, before the moment I rejected you. God, you know how broken my heart is. You see me weep bitterly. You see what is going on. You see my frailty. You see my small, shaky faith. But Jesus... You do know that I love you. How gracious Christ is. Three times he asks him why. Because three times Peter denied. And Peter isn't having to try and convince Jesus of his love for him. Peter isn't trying to have to earn God's favor back. But in this moment, what God is doing is he is restoring Peter's soul. He is restoring Peter to the place where he had called him to be, to be a leader in the church, to tend the flock of God. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And I ask you this question this morning. Do you love him? Do you love Christ? Because maybe life has been hard for you. And friends, we deny Christ by more than our words. Maybe you have struggled and maybe you feel like things have been hard and maybe you've turned your back. Maybe your faith has grown cold. Maybe you've stopped praying. Maybe you've stopped reading your Bible. God sees all that and he knows all that. And he doesn't look like to come like some angry headmaster to give you in trouble. But by his grace, he comes this morning and he asks that very question by his word through the power of his spirit. Do you love me? Do you love me? Friends, grace allows us to love God. Can you say this morning that you love Jesus? For if the answer is yes, let it be seen in how you care and how you tend the people around you. Let your love for Christ not just be mere words on your lips, but your actions as well. Do you love Jesus? Jesus asks this point. Maybe you're getting a bit uncomfortable with me asking that question once and twice and three times or four times, but do you love him? Because Jesus asks that question to the point where it grieved Peter's heart. Spurgeon also once said, to comfort you would be a good work, but sometimes it may be better to grieve you. This is his congregation he's speaking to. Not always is sweet food the best thing that we can bring you. Bitter medicine is sometimes more appropriate. Sometimes God wants to convict your heart and actually bring that sense of grief to you. Not to make you feel bad or to bring shame to you, but so that he can do a restoring and restoration in your life. 
In this encounter, Jesus deals with Peter's shame and he restores him to care for the flock of God. I ask you once more this morning, do you love Jesus? Do you love him? Do we love him in this place? Do we love him well? Maybe this morning you are struggling big time. Receive the grace of Christ this morning and allow him to restore you because he is the one who brings beauty from ashes. He is the one who restores the years the locusts have stolen. stolen. The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23 says, I shall not want. He restores my soul. Let Christ restore you this day. And let all that we do and all that we are be done because we answer that question which may even grieve our hearts. Do you love me, he says. And let us give a resounding, yes, Jesus, we love you. Let's pray. Lord, we know that sometimes sweet food is the, the best and often the thing that we want the most. But Lord, we know that there are times where bitter medicine is what we need. And Lord, we see the questions you ask Peter and you bring him to that point where it grieves his heart. It is painful for him to face the shame and the guilt. And God, I thank you that you don't just deal with our sins, but Lord, that you deal with our shame as well. So Lord, we pray this morning that any of us who are feeling guilty or shame, Lord, for those of us who are sitting here thinking, if only they knew what I've done. But I'm so glad that they don't. If people knew what I had done, I could never walk into this place. God, I thank you that you know. You know all things. And in your grace, you continue to reach out your hand. That you look and seek to restore us. Not to a half measure. But a hundred percent. So, Father, I pray in this very moment that you would touch our hearts afresh. And, Father, as we've said, maybe we feel like our world is crumbling around us and we don't know where to turn to the left or to the right. The people we depend upon have gone. Our friends that we thought were there have disappeared. Our loved ones are no longer with us. God, help us to turn to you. For you are so gracious. We thank you that it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Lord, help us to be a people who love you well. And who, lo who love those around us. 
Restore our souls, we pray. Wash over us by your amazing grace. And Lord, may we know that all we need is found in you. You're the anchor of our souls. You're the protector of the widows. You are close to the brokenhearted. You bring beauty from ashes. You take the tarnished things of this world and you make them beautiful. And it is all for your glory. Bring us to the foot of the cross, we pray. Jesus, you ask us, do we love you? Yes, Lord, we do. But help us to love you well, we pray. For we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. We're going to conclude our time together this morning by singing the hymn, From Heaven You Came, Helpless Babe.